Welcome back to the Business Growth Advantage. I am just thrilled today to have a good friend of mine, one of the kindest and best lawyers in the country, Mo himself, Morris Lilienthal, in addition to being, like I said, one of just the nicest attorneys out there. And if you're in Maximum Lawyer or Mitch Jackson's community, you know Mo well. Show him some love here live or on the replay but today we're going to be talking about Mo's journey, not just a lawyer, but as a real thought leader and highly visible human being online. If you're watching this and maybe you're a family or friend of mine, I know some people are like, Joey, I see you all the time on Facebook. It's cool that you're kind of doing your thing. I mean, Mo is next level with all of this. So I'm really excited to, to dive into this. Mo, thank you so much for being here. Well, Joey, I appreciate it. It's it's great to connect with you and do. I'm always a big fan of yours and everything that you're doing. You're a true thought leader and how business owners should think to grow and develop business, to think uh, about the future and how to do that. So I always love talking to people about these kinds of things because invariably we're going to talk or touch on something that's going to trigger something up here that's going to, ooh, I can tweak that or how can I take that and spin that to help and grow my brand and, and to help and grow my business and to really help others, which is what I became attorney to do, was to help others. And so mm -hmm. looking forward to today's conversation and hope others will join us and, and chime in and give us some feedback on their thoughts. I love that. And on, on that topic of wanting to help others, if you're watching this live or on the replay, give us a one in the chats and the comments below if you feel like you're in a position where you'd love to get more visible online, whether that means putting up some videos, doing something like this type of a live sh show, but maybe you're not quite sure how to do it, or it just seems really outside your comfort zone. On that note, Mo, why don't you take us back five, maybe six years ago when you had this idea? Walk us through what gave you enough of a push to jump into this world of being more visible online, having the Mo show live, and what came up for as fears for you when you started thinking about this? Sure. Glad, glad to do it, Joey. You know, for me, I think a lot of people have been doing this for five or six years with doing video tips regularly. I've got probably five or 600 of those out there mm -hmm. that are on more life and just inspirational stuff and not really the law. And then I've got right about a hundred interviews on the Mo Show. I think people think this was, hey, it's normal. This is just most personality and do. And it's really wasn't, you know, I was active, have been practicing law and, and been active in the digital space in terms of website and SEO and pay-per-click advertising and stuff and kind of started with that with my very first law firm and built that out. But I had a Facebook page, but as a lot of people would say, you know, I was a looker and a lurker. I really wasn't posting or doing every blue moon. I do a post 
They do. And it never had a picture or something. I, I'd see, I'll see a Facebook memory from something from like 2011 or 12. And it'll just be like a one sentence post. And I'm thinking, God, I would never post anything like that anymore. It does, you know, I would always mm. have a picture or some a little meme or something more inspirational or something with a little more life to it than that. But I just didn't do it. But I wanted to get out there for me individually and to help my firm as well to try to, to get out there in the space a little bit more. And certainly with as a business owner, and regardless of whether you're a lawyer or a non-lawyer and do, you know, competition is always creeping up. And I think you need to try to stay ahead of the curve and define the kind of clients and people that you want to help too. You need to be a resource for them. Mm-hmm. And so what happened was I really came to learn five or six years ago that masterminding and connecting with others was a way that I could really learn how to grow as a professional and, and as a lawyer. And when I started getting into Mitch Jackson's group and meeting other like-minded people and seeing what they were doing that I was not doing, not any of it. Mm. And it truly inspired me. And, and it's like, wow, these, there's a lot of things going on out there. And I don't really know hardly anybody in my community in mm. Huntsville, Alabama, or in Alabama in general, that are doing anything like this, not only in the legal space, but in any professional space. And it was such that, you know, I would go out and network on a one-on-one basis, as we could say in the South, grin and grip, you know, Mm. grip and, you know, grin with them, the handshake. I was like, well, I'm good at that. And I really enjoy doing that. I enjoy going to coffee or lunch or having drinks with somebody and getting to know them and building a relationship with them that, you know, may prosper and lead to business down the road. How can I magnify that? Mm. And, and I came to figure out that social media for me individually was something that if I did it in the right way, not unfortunately, as you and I know, see a lot of law firms and business owners not doing it the right way with posts and graphics that are all about me, me, me and, and mm. sharing their services and call me when you need this type of stuff. And some of that's okay. You need to let them know what you do. But I think it's too focused on them and not others and how they can provide help. And so once I learned that, I was like, okay, well, how can I put myself out there a little bit more? But it was very uncomfortable. And for a lot of people, I've talked to a lot of people the last several years and at conferences and and had meetings with people. This thing is fabulous, but it's also scary. Think about turning this thing around on yourself and shooting a video and you may, I don't know if you felt this way when you first started this, it's terrifying. And to think how many times I may have shot a 60 second tip from Mo the first year, I might've shot that video 50 times, seriously, 20 or 30, the first few. Totally. And it's like, oh, it's not perfect. Oh, I bumbled a word or, oh my God, look at my face or look at this or do and I'm adjusting the angle. Mo, and it, it's so funny that you talk about the, the multiple takes because my wife and I used to share a camera roll on our phone. And ever since I started doing these videos, she's like, no, I'm not going to have all of these random, you know, 10 (laughs) sets of Joey saying the same two sentences on my camera roll. But it's true. And I think for our viewers out there, I think they need to understand that it's okay. And that's nervous. Now, there may be some people that they flourish and that is good. And hey, kudos to you. But for a lot of us out there, it's very unnerving in doing and so I just had to get over that fear and do, and then it was like, how are people going to respond to this and do, I was, I had some nerves about that and what people would think. Yeah. I want to dive into that a little bit. What specifically were you worried people would think? 
I guess I was just worried. Why is Morris sharing life tips or, or sharing mm. hacks about this out there, you know, that he's figured out and learned the hard way? Are they going to care? Are they going to think I'm weird and quirky about it and do and just kind of hit the ignore button or unfriend me? Yeah. And I think from that perspective, I think where it has to come, what I've learned over the last five plus years, Joey, and I think you know this, is that if it's genuine to who you are mm. and it's really, and, and again, my story and how I share and what I feel about stuff is totally different than others. But if it's genuinely Joey or it's genuinely Morris or whoever, and you've made those connections, people will appreciate that and do. And the few people that don't or are turned off by it, you weren't going to build a relationship with that person anyway for whatever reason and do. So I'm not saying disregard them totally, but you need to focus on what's important for you and who you are. Yeah. And people that gravitate to that mm. will build that connection. And it allows you to build it in that digital space where you can then, you know, maybe take it to the next level, you know, meeting in person or making a connection business-wise down the road. Yeah. And I think that one of the reasons why this works particularly well for Mo is, yes, you, you've got a great personality for this stuff. And I think it takes a very unique type of person to be successful with the type of content that you put out where it is, it is life tips. There's not really a, a business purpose. This isn't all legal stuff that you're talking about. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the reasons why it works so well for you, and I want to identify this just because for anyone else that's a lawyer, I think this is such a good strategy. Or if you are in a professional service industry, it seems like, and we talked about this before we went live, there is a strategy or a win-win here where you're building a reputation as just a highly visible lawyer. And people, right. when they see you, everywhere on social media, it's less of a, oh, that reminds me that Mo does this, so I'll reach out to him for this reason. It's more of how can Mo be that lawyer in my pocket that I know I can reach out to, whether he can help me directly or point me in the, in the right direction, I know that I can count on Mo. Yeah, it's, it's about building those relationships and doing, and through the tips and through the show, and then just other post and things that I do, I think I'm building, building relationships and connections with these people, whether they are really close friends with me or, or not. Most of them are not that I built some kind of connection with them, whether that's through sport, my love of sports, whether mm. that's through my fat to fit journey, that's, you know, here, there and everywhere. I share that because there are a lot of people that struggle with their diet or struggle with their weight like I do. Or there are a lot of people that maybe that don't struggle with their diet, but maybe they're passionate about exercise and fitness and that's their passion and they haven't had a weight problem, but they're passionate about it. So I can make a connection with those people that way. And it's genuine. It's not, I'm, I'm like, well, let me see how I can share this to connect. No, this is something that, you know, I, I, Hey, I wish I had known to buy Peloton stock when I bought a bike five years ago, I was on the cutting edge. I, I was way before anybody else thought about what a Peloton was before the mm -hmm. pandemic. And so for me to share that, it's just natural and do, and I have fun with it. And I think when I share my struggles and my little wins and stuff, I think people connect with that. But the thought process is I'm building that digital friendship with someone. Mm -hmm. And that, like you said, that, that I'm in their pocket all the time. And they think when they think lawyer, they think of me and I, and I share with you off air that that happened today. I had mm -hmm. a, a friend that I built connections with and a digital friend and do. 
they messaged me and said, I've got a friend that has a legal question and was asking me for guidance, what they thought. And they said, call Mo. I don't think he does this, mm-hmm. but he might. And if not, I would trust him to tell you who does it. Yeah. And he so that person who I'm not really, it's not like they're a real close neighbor or friend, somebody locally that I built a relationship with and that follows me on social and connects with me, trusted me enough through building that relationship digitally to recommend to a close friend to call me. Mm, and I've never represented that first person in, in, a, in a matter at all. The possibilities are just endless when you show up the way that you show up. Mo, I want to circle back to something that we talked about just to be transparent around it. You mentioned those fears that you had around how you might be perceived. If we're just real with each other, and there's no right or wrong answer, but like, was any of that true? Like, were, what did anybody come out and if say anything or, or comment thing? It did turn out that that was all in your head and, and you really never got any type of feedback like that. No, I think it was all mainly in my head mm-hmm. uh, and do. And I think a lot of people, you know, as I just said, I think a lot of people have those same struggles and thoughts as, as you were sharing with about your sharing the, the, the camera roll with your wife. You know, I got some fun ribbing from <laughs> my buddies that I played college football with that were in a mm-hmm. group text that they would have ribbed me no matter if it, nothing was social media, they just ribbed me to rib me. And it wasn't sure. ugly or mean or mean spirited. It was just general ribbing. And to be honest, it's one of those, if they hadn't ribbed me, I would have kind of thought otherwise. Right. And so, um, it just means they care. And, mm-hmm. and they've all, several of those guys have been guests on my show a few years later when we talked about the important roles that teachers play in kids lives and how sports transforms people to help them set up for a successful life. I think for the most part, I really was received well. And and I kind of, you know, early on would get positive feedback from things that I don't know that people understood how much it meant to me or how, and I don't think I understood how big of a reach that we can have doing this sometimes. Mm -hmm. One time early on, I I went back home, back home was about three hours away from where I live now, Joey, in a really small town. And it was somebody I went to, to middle school with, and I think they left our school in ninth grade, but I've known them off and on still. And we were friends on Facebook, and I walk into a Dollar General back home, which is a little retail store. I walk into the dollar store, and he sees me in, and it was right around the holidays, because that's why we were back home. And he said, hey, man, how are you? And I said, I'm good. Man, it's good to see you. And um, he said, Mo, I was telling my wife the other day how much I enjoyed watching your Mo shows. And I told her that if we ever need a lawyer, we're going to call Mo. And he referenced two specific interviews. Wow. And I was blown away. I was about a year into doing the show, maybe. And it just blew me away that this guy was watching. And maybe he didn't watch every show. Maybe he only watched part or maybe he only saw it. And it it just, but it stuck in his mind and something connected with him that I hadn't been in school with this guy since ninth grade to to say that. And then to tell me that, not just to Mm. walk by me in the store and say, hey man, good to see you. He stopped and wanted to share that with me. And it really touched me. I love that. I think that's great. At this point, when you look at the the different visibility things that you're doing from the Mosho Live to the tips that you do, the pre-recorded videos, the live videos, it seems like you're still doing quite a combo of everything. Where would you say most of your attention is these days in terms of the types of content that you're putting out? It, it's for me, it's still kind of a shotgun approach. Um, okay. I do a show, I try to do a show every two weeks and then we repurpose that out into other types of media. 
we do a podcast out of that digital, just like what we're doing right now. We'll do an interview like this. And then I've got a virtual assistant and we can talk about that later, how that's grown and evolved mm-hmm. over the years, mm-hmm. who takes that and, and she turns that into a podcast that we do with an intro and outro. And then we, we load it to YouTube, blah, 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 blah. And so basically one interview turns into about three or four different pieces of content out there that it lives out there and does. And then I, I still do... I used to religiously try to do four or five tips from a week and and it's just kind of died down a little bit and I'll do them when it hits me, something strikes me and do, and then I will, um, I'll sit down and make a note somewhere on my phone on my notes app about something and do. And again, it's the one thing I would share and it's just different, you know, and and we can talk about this, you know, about if somebody has an idea or wanting to do this, I just think there's so many different angles you can do. With, with this kind of content and you can do it from a business standpoint if you are if you're wanting to if you're in a certain niche th- there may be a, a good show that you could do to market towards certain people out there that would provide value to that audience and i think that's where it comes from is providing value or inspiration to others to, to connect with them and whether that's you know, if you do appellate law or something and you want to put out content and then show about an appellate law or a podcast and you're marketing to be that appellate guru to other lawyers in your state or do. Yeah. But for me, and I call that more, you know, show built around the law or built around whatever industry you're in. Yeah. And there are a lot of different ways that could work. For me, I think my audience of the people out there that I'm digitally connected with and otherwise, I don't think they care two rats butts about hearing me talk about the law. I love that you said that. that. I love that you said that because it's something that my team and I have had to talk a lot about of like, what is it that people actually want to tune into? Yeah. And so for me, I started my show and it has evolved really around community. And that is talking to people started locally. And I've done, I've been fortunate enough to get some national guests on over the years in different organizations. And it's not law centric. It, it may be last week. I had a friend in my Rotary club who's an optometrist. And we talked about the importance of vision care and, and near down and talking about the importance of vision screening and care for children and mm. how that's important. And he shared some great information and tips. And, uh, and we talked a little bit about his work in Honduras that's very inspiring through my Rotary Club that we do. It, it, it's amazing what you can share. And I've had on the Humane Society. I've had on the mayor. That's in one incredible. city and sports. And it's just amazing. But to give you something that's really neat, you know, I've shared this story before or do, but, you know, I made a connection with one of our city councilmen here and mm. just an amazing guy has a huge heart and is a mover and shaker and very, very, one of the youngest city, maybe the youngest city councilman, president of city council ever here in our city in these early, late twenties. And got to know him through the show. We've been to breakfast and lunch a couple of three or four times since then. I'm walking clients out the front door a few years ago, Joey, and, and Devin Keith happens to walk by and I speak and he stops my clients. This at the time he was president of the city council in a city of about 350,000 people. And he says, you got the best lawyer in Huntsville, Alabama right here. Ah, Blown away. I mean, what, what, what can I say to my clients? You know, my clients are just like, oh, my God, the president of the city council just told me that my mm. lawyer's the best one in town out of, you know, a thousand lawyers. That's, That's incredible. Crazy. But that was built off a relationship with that guy that I built by asking him to come on and let's talk about what's going on in his district and what's going on with the city. Wow. So I, I just want to highlight here that 
This is so aligned with who Mo is. And we talked about this before we went live. Like, Mo, you really see this as something that you get to do, not something that you have yeah. to do for the sake yeah. of your business growth. Can you speak to that a bit? Yeah. I think if, if you're wanting to kind of grow and do, I think I think where business owners, rightly so, now I don't, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm, I'm stepping too far out there. I think a lot of times as business owners and, and as, as one of the owners, principals at our law firm here, we try to measure everything we can. You know, we want to know what we're spending on this, what the return on investment, what the client cost of acquisition is, what it costs to do this and what it costs to do that. So you're always, you know, measuring twice and cutting once kind of thing. In a lot of respects in your marketing and, and spend, that can be done. I think mm -hmm. in, in a lot of digital space that can be done with pay-per-click and other things. But with this, I think it's a lot tougher to try to directly measure that. Yeah. I think you need to measure the intangibles and see, are people walking up to you and telling you that they're seeing you on this? Are people recommending you? Are you getting the phone ringing and, and somebody says, well, they recommended me. Yeah, I got to you because this gentleman or this lady recommended you. Are people, you know, for me, and, and, and I'm sure for you too, Joy, people are DMing me all the time on various social platforms with questions and information and texting me all the time. And it's people that I, I, I don't have a strong offline relationship with. Mm. It's not somebody even do. I think you kind of need to look. I know I talk to a lot of lawyers and when I, I get this glossed over look at conferences when I've spoken on, on running your own Facebook Live show or do, and it's like, well, how many cases are you getting out of it, man? How much money and how much time are you spending on it? You know, and I think you just need to, I think we need to shift our brain a little bit and, and look mm. at how you're measuring that. And it's not always in dollars and cents. Uh, our mm. time is our most valuable commodity. And so for me over the years, when I first started, that's why I started with the 60 second tips, which was, that doesn't take much time, right? It, it only took me, well, when I was shooting 10 or 15 shots to do the first 60 second video, it might've taken 10 or 15 minutes. But after I'd done 30 or 20 or 30 of those, I could get that out and share that out in less than five minutes. Yeah. And it was free. I wasn't boosting the content. I wasn't putting it on any other way. It wasn't being saved anyway. I, I was using a unique hashtag that you could find it through hashtags, but, but that's it. And so I think you need to find an efficient way to do it. And I think, you know, if you want to narrow it down to a specific cost, it can be done very cost effective. And what I think, you know, in some spaces, people have the background and have the network and the resources monetarily that they could set up and do a show or, or a podcast or something and really get all that squeeze out of that lemon through, through repurposing and doing and figuring it out. But I think for most people probably as a small business owner or solo out there in whatever field they're in watching this, I think you need to start small and you need to mm -hmm. find something that, that you're passionate about and do because you and I were talking offline earlier that I don't know how many of our friends and colleagues will start a project because that's what somebody in the industry told them they need to do or they see right. somebody else doing right. it. They start this project and it could, it may have nothing to do with a podcast or do it may be some kind of marketing ploy or something to do, but they're not passionate about it. And mm -hmm. so they get money into invested, they get time invested into it and then it just peters out and they just don't do anything else with it. And now they've wasted a bunch of time and money and got to built up a lot of frustration and a lot of bad taste in their mouth because it wasn't the right project to start with. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that. All, all of your comments and some of the great comments that Moshe is, is leaving in the chat, it reminds me of something that a, a coach of mine once said when it comes to live streaming, especially if you're going to start 
something like Mo's doing, which is not really tied to directly market your firm. You know, if you want to just be a human, have interesting conversations so that people who come across your feed tune in, think about it as something that you enjoy doing that can eventually help contribute to the growth of your business, but don't put pressure on it as a marketing tactic. Mm, yeah, I love that. Because not only, you know, and, and I've been there too, by the way, Mo referenced that he has spoken at some conferences about this topic. How lucky are we all to just be sitting in on this stuff and be able to receive these golden nuggets that are usually saved for like conference level talks. These are good questions to ask about, you know, what's the ROI? How can you calculate things? Yeah. But you have to be careful because once you start entertaining those questions, these types of shows can really become a lot less fun because then you really have to get the juice out of the squeeze for it to be worth it. Yeah. I'm curious, Mo, did that ever happen with you where maybe took some steps in the direction of trying to have KPIs and measurables around this that made the show feel less fun? I think what, where, I, where I had to watch myself was stretching myself too thin and mm. trying to, to do the repurposing and trying to figure out yeah. how to do some editing things and things that I would see my peers that I would admire in their space doing and thinking, God, if I could just have a cool graphic that looked like this, or if I could just turn my interview into a podcast, or if I could do X, Y, or Z, and it's like, I don't have the resources, the knowledge or the skill set to do that right now. And so I had to be content with what I was doing. And yeah. I think if it gets too much and you overstep not only your balance or it gets out of the fun zone there a little bit or something you're passionate about, you're not going to do it or you're going to do it. And it's going to be, you'd be much better off doing it on the smaller scale and really enjoying it, living right there in that sweet spot than trying to grow it. So for me, what I tried to do was start with started really small. And I, and I think I, uh, I told you, you know, before to me, it's kind of like, you know, we've got a vacation, let's say coming up in June, let's say you just book your, your, mm. your summer vacation right now. And it's like, let me see if I can get 20 pounds off right then. Well, you, you, or you're going to run a marathon or something like that. And you're not a runner. You, mm. you can't just burn it all out and say, well, look, I'm just not going to eat for the next month and do, and, and I'm going to, you know, run 10 miles a day and do. You're going to get exhausted and burned out and be, be done with your diet in a week, right? It's kind of like what they talk about people with their, it's coming up here in a few weeks, New Year's resolution. You know, how many people start their New Year's resolution in the statistics show by February 1? A, a large majority of those people are already done with it. Mm -hmm. And I think it's because we bought off more than we can chew. And I think probably what we're biting off, we don't like the taste of it either. And so for me, it was starting with small increments of things that I could do, I enjoyed doing, and didn't take a lot of time. Mm -hmm. And then started small. I did not. And the other thing with this, if it was specifically with what we're doing right now and some of the things that I'm doing, I didn't measure it in the first couple of months and do about how many likes and views. And, oh my gosh, you just did a show and you only got 150 views. And it's like, well, my gosh, I wouldn't waste my time for 150 views and mm -hmm. do. You know, and I think people get lost in all of that and do yeah. there's a little bit of that going on and still needs to go and you need to be somewhat mindful of, of management of your time for what you're putting in and getting out to some degree. But for me, it's just been a passion. I enjoy talking to people. I enjoy meeting people. I, and, and for me to get to meet somebody like a city councilman or, or, you know, the local TV people who've been so nice to me at one of the stations here and I've done the, a couple of interviews with some of their personalities. 
it's a hard ask to try to get to meet those people on your own. Hi, I'd like to, you know, have coffee with you, weatherman, that you don't know mm-hmm. who I am. Or, you know, newscaster lady that, you know, whatever, that everybody loves and wakes up in the morning while they're brushing their teeth. But to meet them and do and say, hey, look, we got so much severe weather here and we got so many things going on here. I'd love for you to take, you know, because you talk about this every, you know, a spurt here, a spurt there during your forecast. But you're really focused on giving me the weather for that day and tomorrow. I'd love to have you to come on. Let's talk about severe weather. Let's Mm. talk about how forecasts are generated and, and what we see in some of these things. Would you enjoy doing that? And he was like, man, that'd be awesome. I've never had anybody ask me to do something like that. Mm. You know, and, and I just had the sports director on from, from that station a couple of weeks ago. He was so, so gracious. Cool. He was so gracious and so thankful. He's on live TV every night. <laughs> and you would have thought I asked him to be on ESPN or something. Wow. It blew me away at how appreciative he was and how thankful he was. And now he's following, looking at Wyatt's videos and checking stuff out and do. So... You know, it's, um, but I built a relationship with that guy, but it was just out of, man, I'd love to talk a little bit about more how sports works from a local level and highlighting young athletes and do, and mm-hmm. how does our local news agency do that and do? Let me just reach out to this guy. I don't know him from Adam's house cat. I just DM'd him and said, hey, this is who I am. I've had on a couple of your other peers at your television station. Would you be interested in doing it? Huh, man, you jump right on it and said, yeah, let's do it. Oh, how cool is that? I love that. It's fun, though. But to me, you can see, I, you, I think you can tell, hopefully, that, that I get jazzed about it. And it's fun. Yeah. It, it's so great to see that, you know, five, six years later, it's still something that you get so much fun out of. In terms of the, the strategy side, because I know sometimes people like to use their brains to procrastinate on stuff like this. And in the same way where, you know, if you wake up in the morning, your alarm goes off and you want to try and find a good mental reason to sleep in, it can be pretty easy to find a good reason to hit the snooze button. I, I feel like one of the questions that people tend to jump to when they have an idea like starting a live show is, oh, when's the right time to do it? No. Have, have you found <laughs> and, and I'll just say, I don't think there's any right time, but have you find a good sweet spot that you tend to want to schedule your live shows on or if your guests are open to multiple times that you tend to prefer that you do it yeah and that's a tough question and i know that i you know i've always generally done my show and i'll talk to you the rationale why at three in the afternoon central time Mm. bernard nomberg a mutual good friend of ours who who is just a a whiz at at, at doing this stuff and does a great job for checking out bernard's uh, stuff out there if you want another great example Mm. he tends to do his at 10 a.m central his main show uh, for the, for his firm, uh, but I think he's doing some other shows from some other Facebook group communities in the evening. I have found I think it kind of depends on who your guest is in terms of the type of guest and when it might be most mm-hmm. flexible for that guest. Um, and so for me, a lot of the people I'm, I'm interviewing are, are professionals and do and i found that late afternoon tends to be better for them Mm -hmm. because i hate a lot of people it's hard to take away because once they clock out in the evening it's family time you know they've got their their spouse or significant other and they've got they've got kids it's just it's a struggle and do but i have found that some of my best viewed shows have been at 6 or 7 p.m Mm-hmm. And I don't have a problem doing it that 
and I love when we get more engagement. You know, my buddy Rodney Smith on, who has a huge social media following, and we went live on StreamYard and Twitter, and and he uh, shared it. He's got 120,000 Twitter followers, and he shared it live. And so we had hundreds of people watching and interacting and do. And so that's fun. It's super cool. But at the same time, I'm having a ball talking to whoever I'm having a ball talking with when it's just one to five people watching. With my guest last week, Dr. Michael St. Peter, we, we did it at 530 because his office hours were done. And then he got home at time he lives by nearby, I think, from his office. And he got home at around five and was able to do it at 5.30, but he had family stuff. He's got a, a, a bunch of kiddos that he needs to devote time to because he's been at work all day. So I'm a little flexible with that. I, I think the more rigid you can be and do, I think a, a night show seems to be when more people are at mm. home and have access to it. But that yeah. might not be the best time for the type of guests that you have. Yeah, that's. I love that you answered it that way because one thing that I've heard and seen myself is it really also depends on who your, who your target audience is. I found that when we are wanting to go after more of the business owner or entrepreneur demographic, it tends to work better to be kind of during the workday because as they're working, as they're, you know, on Facebook for business reasons, they can see that we're on and kind of tune in on the background. But if you're going after more of a consumer crowd or if your target audience are professionals outside of our entrepreneur or business owner world, then just doing something after work hours tends to be a real win-win there too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a tough ask because you've always, you know, if you've got a good guest that you want to have on, for me, it's like, well, I'd love to speak to XYZ, but it's like, you know, I can't tell my guest, well, I only do my interviews at three o'clock. I mean, I guess I could, but I'm going to, I may cut myself out on uh, a particular guest that I think would be a great interview and great to share with my audience and share that person's knowledge out or skill set out or personality out, whatever we're talking about. So I, I don't want to ever pigeonhole. This is just my thinking now. Yeah. I don't, I, I don't want to pigeonhole myself and to say, well, I'm only a three o'clock interview central time guy. And, and if you can't do that, then I'm just so sorry. We, we, we won't work out for us. Because, well, you know, I, I try to do that, but a lot of times if people say, Morris, I can't, my schedule is such that I need to do 10 in the morning or I need to do six or seven at night, then I'll be flexible to do that. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And a lesson learned on my team's end, if this is, is helpful for people, it goes back to what you said earlier about taking the baby steps as you as you get better and better at this is we now have a system in place where, you know, also due to the nature of the show, we have this at a fixed time every week, but we're now also building out a process so that we can have these interviews booked weeks in advance. And then when we find people that we want to interview who the time doesn't work, how can we create a separate process for those kind of bonus shows as mm. they happen? Yeah, I love that. Yeah. If you've got it set up and it's such that it's somebody you're going to connect with and you want to build a connection with, you'll find the right way to do it. And, and I think yep. like you said, a bonus show or an extra show or being flexible in your time or just pre-recording it, it you know, it may be one that you need to pre-record and you could just premiere it live at that particular time. If you're set on doing it, at launching your videos at that time. Yeah, man, this is such a great conversation. You dropped so much wisdom, Mo. Thank you again for your time. We'll make sure to, to drop Mo's 
resources where you can follow him on social media in the comments around this video in the show notes if you're tuning into the podcast mo any any final last words around lessons that you've learned words of encouragement that you might give to people who are interested in this but like you saw this as really a comfort zone that they had to step out of well, you know, one of the things that I would just always tell people, and I think we, we get in, in this world as business owners, uh, analysis, uh, paralysis there, mm. and do that we, we over strategize and overthink everything. You know, I'm not saying aim, shoot, you know, shoot, aim, shoot, aim first. Certainly, on what you, you need to put some thought and you need to mm. put some, some strategy into it. But I think a lot of times, when it comes to these kinds of things, we, we overthink it. And, and mm. I think simple. Is, is a lot better than nothing because a lot of times I see, you know, professionals and lawyers, you know, maybe it's YouTube videos or something like that, or, or these kind of things that are successful for a lot of folks. They, they want it to be just right. It's gotta mm. be so perfect and do. So they just don't ever doing it or they do two or three. And then it is so much effort to get those two or three or handful done. It just leaves a bad taste in their mouth. And so yeah. whatever passion they thought or, or they had about the project dies with all of that effort. And so mm-hmm. for me, yes, professional and do and people, I th- people are becoming more comfortable with this because of the pandemic with, with, mm-hmm. with a lot of you know, social media and, and, or, and live video conferencing. But it is so inexpensive to get the, the, the setups that you and I are using now. And, and you've got a better setup than I do. But, but start small. You don't need all of the fancy spancy. You can build there if you want to. But start small and, and just get it out there and be 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 thoughtful about it. But but get started. It's like it's like you know, exercising. You know, look, just start. Just walk. Mm-hmm. Walk for a few minutes and yeah. do it. So just start crawling and walking with with the digital here. If this is something you want to do, and then if and when you want to, you can get up to jogging and then run it. You may never mm-hmm. want to. And and it, it interests me, Joey. And and I think maybe this is something too that I'd like to share. That in some of our mastermind groups, and I love it, and, and do at Maximum Warrior and stuff, I hear, you know, people's talking about, you know, that they've got different thoughts. And, and I love hearing this because it's great for me as a business owner and it keeps my brain thinking. But they either want to take over the world and whatever side of the law they're in, or they're looking to, to get out of the practice and just manage it. And that's great if that's what you want to do. Mm-hmm. But let me tell you something. Hey, if you're happy with where you are, and you're still doing a lot of the work or doing some of the work and do, and you're making enough money to, to, to do whatever you need to do in your life, and you're happy there, stay there. Yeah. It's okay. So it's okay to do a smaller show and to do it. If you're, if you're enjoying that and then you are seeing some, some traction out of it a year or two down the road and doing it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Now, I'm not saying don't try to be aspirational and change things if you want to grow and do. Mm-hmm. And you may be able to get there. It is maybe a slower process. But if you're happy where you are, love it, man. Love it. Oh, man. Yeah. That sense of permission to just stay happy if you're happy is, I think, a great reminder, especially around this New Year's resolution season when it can seem tempting to just focus on things that we don't have yet that we wish were different. So thanks for that really great reminder, Mo. Yeah. Thank you, bud. All right, everyone, that does it for this week. Uh, go follow Mo. He he really walks his talk on all of this stuff. Uh, I'll catch you all in the next couple of weeks. We're taking a little bit of a break uh, here with the holidays. So I'll see you probably all in January. Have a great couple of weeks, you guys. Enjoy the holidays. Thanks, Joy.
All right, that'll do it for this week's episode of the Business Growth Advantage with me, Joey C. Vitale. Thanks for tuning in. I'll see y'all next week.